All right, Phil, take us in. Can you fucking believe it? <laughs> nice. I like that one. That was a little, that was high energy right there. It was there. intense. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, so this is episode 11. And, you know, I probably should have mentioned last week that we made it to the 10th episode. It's kind of a milestone, nice round number. But we'll call this one episode 10.10 because that's 10 tenths. Okay. All right. <laughs> all right. That works. Okay. All right. <laughs> all right. So this week we got, <clears throat> we don't really have any new stuff this week, uh, theater, movie theater wise. I actually haven't been to the movies this week, so I didn't uh, see anything new. I haven't seen anything in a while. So we don't have any new stuff, but I mean, hey, we, it seems like we hardly ever do. But <laughs> this is a podcast of every, everything's a year old. <laughs> yes, yeah, so this is the old news podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, so we got a couple things here. Let's see. Let's start out. How about we start out with, uh, I watched Broken Arrow. So this, I'm sure, will lead into these, all these. Because we talked about this off the computer, whatever. Um, you know, about John Woo and John Travolta and he, whatever. But yeah. so, yeah, I mean, I watched Broken Arrow. Why do you start with Broken Arrow? That's a good jumping off point. Okay. I hadn't seen Broken Arrow in quite a while, actually. And if I'm remembering right, Broken Arrow was just after Pulp Fiction for John Travolta, where that was... He was really he was back. Um, I, th- I think it was after Pulp Fiction and after because because I think it was it goes like Pulp Fiction then Get Shorty then Broken Arrow. Oh okay. Okay, so yeah, but either way, it was when he was really he was back and you know he Ooh. yeah it was John Travolta's back and and I had sort of forgotten how weird he acts in that movie. He's real. He has all these weird tics and yeah. he talks real funny and he always looks up at the sky and sort of scratches his chin and <laughs> has these real weird speech patterns and stuff. And I and for some reason I had forgotten that he acts so oddly in that movie. <laughs> it's just one of his, uh, you know, gimmicky performances that he did for the last 20 years. Yeah. Well, and it's a decent movie. Um, I'm always surprised, honestly, when somebody casts Christian Slater... As an action lead. <laughs> well, back then, I mean, he was still young or youngish. Mm-hmm. He, I mean, these days, I think if you see him, he kind of looks weird. He hasn't aged well. Yeah, he, and well, which is leading into another one later we'll do on in our little quick hits section, which I actually saw in his newest movie. But, um, <laughs> and then Samantha Math- Mathis. Odd casting in that movie. Yeah, well... Uh, it was Huey, Huey, what's his, Huey Long's... Huey, oh, uh, no, Huey Long. Um, what the hell? Howie Long. Howie! Yes. He, Which gave him his star turn in Firestorm. Yeah, not to mention <laughs> uh, 3,000 Miles to Graceland. He wasn't a star of that, but he's in it. But, uh, so was Christian Slater. Well, and then... That's true, he was. <laughs> I had forgot that for a second. But, um... And then, who, who else? Bob Gunton was in it. Bob Gunton was in it? Yeah. He was the financier. The, oh, that's right. It was always bitching at Travolta about his, his investment and all this. Boy. And then... Um, I always loved Jack Thompson in that movie. He's just the best line. From now until the end of time, what happened in New Mexico mm-hmm. was an earthquake. Yeah, yeah. it's like a throwaway thing you hear in the background but I always loved that line well for a long time 
I sort of thought of Broken Arrow and Face Off, both John Woo movies, obviously, with yeah. John Travolta. Uh, as sort of equally, like, I liked him equally well. But I don't think, I, well, I guess. But watching Broken Arrow this last time, I went, you know, I think I definitely like Face Off better. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, now at least. Face Off is a, is a more rounder movie. The, the Broken Arrows, it's kind of like him still in John Claude Van Damme mode. You know, where yeah. it's just kind of straight action. Yeah. Nothing else. Yeah, that's true. And then, you know, it's John Woo. There's always some really great looking shots and, and sequences and that kind of thing. Yeah, but yeah, double, hey, you know, double fisted guns. Wow. Oh, yeah, yeah. And with the helicopter crashing over the top of him in slow motion and stuff. I was like, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. But it definitely, I think that Face Off is a better movie at this point. Just, maybe it's aged better or something. Yeah. I mean, well, Broken Arrow, I never thought it was as good as Face Off. I mean, it's, it's good in its own little quirky way, but it's not as good as Face Off. Yeah. That, to me, I don't know. Of his English language movies, that's Face Off is by far the best. Yeah. Well, in Broken Arrow, again, I mean, like I said, it's... It's, there was some casting in it that threw me off a little bit. And see, I, again, I hadn't seen it in quite a while. Yeah. So I had forgotten sort of that. And I even remembered Sam, Samantha Mathis was in it and whatever. <laughs> but I kind of went, oh, what is she? What is she? Because she's not really this, you know, because a lot of times in these movies, they either try to get this real kick-ass chick mm-hmm. or this real hot chick. And she's not really either one. <laughs> I know. You know? She's, she's, but maybe it suits being a park ranger. And ma- maybe that's what, Yeah, maybe that's what it was. <laughs> she wasn't cool enough to be badass or, you know... Or uh, hot enough to be... You When you saw her and went, yeah, you're a park ranger. I know. <laughs> <laughs> what do you just model on the side? Is that what you do? <laughs> but, uh, so, you know, moving on to Face Off, though. Now, that is more... An, I think it's a more interesting movie. Um... Yeah, I, I, that movie to me, like if you took Joan Allen out of that movie, it'd be a piece of crap. You think? I think she holds like every key to every relationship in that movie, and she's the best part of that movie. You mean Joan Allen as an actress, or take the character out? Or Joan Allen as an actress. She's the oh. heart of that movie, the beating heart of that movie. If you watch it, okay, you'll know. I, I I believe you, <laughs> um, but I actually haven't seen it in a while. But just thinking back on it, you know the fact that. Both Travolta and Nicolas Cage, they both did a in a few scenes in particular, did a very good job on picking up on each other's sort of they yeah. they adopted each other's like weird little idiosyncrasies, you Some know. Ticks here and there. But somewhere I had read that some journalist went to the set of that movie mm-hmm. and they would they would be together all the time trying to pick up each other's mannerisms <laughs> yeah. and stuff. And the, 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 whoever was writing this article said at one point it was just kind of freaky. <laughs> and maybe it didn't translate as well to the screen, but when they were with each other and then mm-hmm. saw them in, in person, he's like, it was weird. It was like they did trade bodies. <laughs> <laughs> I remember reading that like Travolta had to convince Nick Cage to be in the movie because he wasn't sure about John Woo. Really? Yeah. That's funny now because you think about it now and John Woo, I mean, well, at least for a period of time, John Woo was considered just the best. Well, up in, well but it's, I think it's mostly from the Hong Kong movies and then, you know, the Van Damme picture and then the two Travolta pictures. Because after that, it was the Nick Cage picture and it was just downhill. Yeah, well, and then... I mean, Wind Talkers was a piece of crap. Wind to- yeah, Wind Talkers was bad. And then... Uh, um, Mission Impossible 3 was John Woo at his most two. neutered oh it was 2 yeah that's right sorry 
Uh, yeah, that movie, it, you couldn't really tell it was a John Woo movie. There were certain scenes you could, but mostly not so much. Yeah. I mean, it, it, and I'm not sure that might have been Tom Cruise saying tone it down a little because I don't want this to look like a Hong Kong movie or yeah, something. I think so. But, you know, I like John Woo, and I, and I think a lot of filmmakers these days have been copying him for a long time. Yeah. You know, especially, I mean, one that springs to mind is people like Michael Bay, Simon West, kind of. Well, for well, at least for Con Air. I get. I don't. I've I've forgotten that movie. <laughs> Purposefully. Wow, Phil. <laughs> Why don't you get down off of Mount Pius, there, buddy? <laughs> it, I know. I know a lot of people who, for some reason, like that movie. I remember watching it in like horror. I mean, just Nick Cage in the accent. That's enough. To get me to hate the movie. <laughs> Ugly all day. Oh. <laughs> on, I like that movie. That movie is fun to watch. I mean, it, it's not Citizen Cage, but it's Citizen Cage. <laughs> Citizen Kane. <laughs> Maybe that should be next. Uh, Nick Cage's, you know, we'll call his best movie Citizen Cage. Yeah. And I don't know what we I don't. Uh, Simon West did much better when he got away from that. I mean, I, well, Tomb Raider's not so good, but I like it. And the General's Daughter is pretty good. I like the general's daughter. In fact, I like that a lot more than I thought I would. Yeah. I was when I first when I saw the promos and stuff for it. I was like, eh, you know, whatever. <laughs> but I liked it. I thought it was good. Um, you know, I was just thinking they traded directors a lot. <laughs> Those Ooh. two, Nick Cage and John Travolta. Yeah, they, yeah, John Woo, you know, Simon West. Yeah, you know, I, but it's funny because it, both Nick Cage and John Travolta there for a while they fell into this their own almost their own little category of sort of action and or thriller guys that weren't necessarily the top tier, but they were like half a tier down. They weren't the second tier. Yeah. You know what I mean? They weren't the uh, Mel Gibson or the Tom Cruise, but they were just slightly... Yeah, I guess that's right. I think for a hot second, Travolta was getting $20 million a picture. Yeah. I oh, I know he, he got, was for a little while. I think he... <laughs> I think, if I remember correctly, like, the end for him was, like, Domestic Disturbance. That was a terrible movie. Was... That was him and Vince Vaughn, where... Oh, God, yeah, that was bad. He was, like, the stepdad or something. Yeah, it, that was bad. I don't know. Well, but he <laughs> ended up doing a bunch of fairly bad movies, though. Well, the problem for Travolta was always taste. I mean, you go back to the 80s and, well, it's not domestic disturbance, but it's perfect. Perfect, yeah. And, oh, I know. <laughs> I, I've actually been interested to see that movie for a long time because I've just heard it so bad that it's one of those ones that it's like, I, I want to watch it because it's everything I've heard about it, everybody's always <laughs> just ragging on it because it's just supposedly so bad. I think I watched, like, the opening 10 minutes and I was like, wow. I'm not going to finish this. <laughs> yes. Well, because that was him and Jamie Lee Curtis, right? Yeah. That was the one where it was about the aerobics instructors yes, or whatever. Yeah. It was. Oh, Lord. <laughs> um, what better subject could you make a movie about? I have no idea, honestly, because that's... If, since it's been done now, I might as well just yeah. forget my dreams of making movies. <laughs> the only other um, woo picture I think that's notable here in America, at least, is page, Paycheck? Paycheck with, with uh, Ben Affleck, uh-huh. which I actually saw in the theater. Did mm-hmm. we see that together? I think we did. Yeah, and I don't know. It was it was the only thing I could think of while watching that movie was just this is just 
generic John Woo. It's just John Woo up on there doing what he does. It had no real... Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It was just so generic of a movie. It was a really generic movie. Like, there, I think there's only one shot in that entire movie where I went, like, John Woo! I and that was, like, when Aaron... Like, there's a shot of Aaron Eckhart uh, opening a, a drawer, pulling out this, like, enormous gun. <laughs> and the camera follows the gun as he picks it up and then walks out of the room with it. And I was like, John Woo, wow. Yeah. But that was it. Yeah, it... I don't know. That movie was just so forgettable, and it was a—it was supposed to be a big movie. I mean, a big budget, you know, John Woo and Ben Affleck when he was still really Mr. Ben Affleck, you know. And, yeah. And uh, I, I tell who you was that. the girl in that movie? I always forget. Uma. That's right. Jeez. I always forget who that was. <laughs> See, obviously, this movie is not exactly. I remember when you when we saw it, you you said something funny. You said like that was the first time you'd seen in a John Woo movie where somebody was. Acting kind of like normal and all this John Woo stuff because like Ben Affleck when everything's like spinning around he just look confused. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did. Sorry, Ben Affleck in that movie he he I don't know if he looked like he was kind of like whoa I'm in over my head or like I don't know what's going on or this movie's not very good why did I come on to this movie or what? Because <laughs> I think that Ben Affleck surprisingly enough. Has come to have pretty good taste. I mean, Gone Baby Gone was great. It was good. It was adapted from a book, but yeah. at the same time, I thought it was a really good movie. It was a Southie picture. Yeah. Where, he, where he's from. <laughs> Wicked smart guy, that. <laughs> um, but, you know, John Woo, though, if you go back and watch some of his Hong Kong stuff, it's it's you can tell that it's not nearly as big budget and slick and he didn't have all the tools that he had yeah. for stuff like Face Off. Uh-huh. But you can definitely see it's John Woo. I mean, it's that's where he did the, started that whole style. Yeah. You know, with Chow Yun-Fat and I love Chow Yun-Fat. <laughs> of all those Asian action him. guys, uh-huh. he's definitely my favorite. He's by far the best. Like, I've watched some shitty movies because Chow Yun-Fat was... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, well, like The Killer, it was, that was him and John Woo. Uh-huh. And that was a great movie. You, did we talk about Shoot 'em Up last week? No, we didn't. In fact, that yeah. Um, but because uh, well, I remember reading about something, uh, something about it where the director had said that his inspiration for Shoot 'em Up was Hard Boiled, which is a Chow Yun Fat John Woo picture remade into Hard Target. No, it was remade in the no, U.S. It yeah, it was. Because hard, I've never seen Hard Boiled is where these guys like attack a hospital, and I've never seen that. I swear it was remade into something here. An American version of that. I don't think so. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but either way. No, I like John Woo. What was the last thing that John Woo did? He went back to China. He made some... Uh, he got kind of laid into it, but he made one of those big, pretty, you know, like 14th century China movies. Oh, yeah. Called Red... Red Cliff. Okay. But it hasn't come out here in America yet. Huh. I wonder if he got pissed. I wonder if he did the whole um, uh, Stephen Norrington thing. Hollywood can suck it. <laughs> Stephen Norrington was so good, though. Well, at least Blade was good. Blade was good. And for all of its flaws, I kind of liked LXG, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yeah, it's got many. But, I mean, it's hard to get. I love Nemo. I mean, yeah. you can't not. Right, right. Well, and, and but 
I actually went back and read, after I saw the movie, went back and read the graphic novel well, of League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Barely anything to do with it. I yeah, mean, they, they, they completely changed that. Yeah. Um, There's a reason Alan Moore is so pissed. Yeah, yeah. But, well, um, because he did Blade, he did League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. He did something else. Norrington. Was there a third one? I thought there was. There might have been. It was either before Blade, it was either just before or just after Blade, I thought. Um, I can't remember. There's, I know he made like some little movie. Oh no, okay, okay. He made, we watched it, or at least I watched it. There was some weird, like half musical, half sci-fi violent thing that he did. And I cannot remember. The last minute. Did you ever see it? Huh. That was his. That was his picture in between Blade and the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. The last was that was, about the end of the world? No, it's just psychotic. That's what oh. it is. Okay. I remember. Um, there's some scene where a guy, you know, just starts singing right after he's like chopped somebody's head off, and I was like, "Wow, this is really <laughs> out there." <laughs> nice. <laughs> Well, oh, speaking of play, do you remember, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, but I mentioned that I had heard one of the actors from Blade 3 uh, sort of alluding to the fact that Blade 3 was just this giant mess. Yeah. And he really just spoke real briefly about it. I heard him, the same guy, on another podcast, <laughs> talking a little bit more about that. Mm-hmm. And from what, I under- from what I understand from that particular story that he told, Wesley Snipes is a complete and total lunatic. Well, like, didn't, well, duh. I mean, how you don't get like $12 million in back taxes unless you're really but, a little weird. But, he, but apparently he would not, he would not, he refused to respond to people unless they called him Blade. Oh, God. He wouldn't respond to Wesley or Mr. Snipes or anything. <laughs> it would have to be this Blade. This is sounding very Val Kilmer. Right? I can't, I remember we talked about, I can't remember if it was on the podcast where I was, um, it's like uh, at first sight. You remember that movie yeah, yeah. where he plays blind with Mira Sorvino? Um, if you watch the like special features, there are like interviews with him. And he's like sitting there, kind of like, you know, rocking back and forth like he's blind. Yeah. And you're like, Val, it's an interview. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and I read a little anecdote from him where, from Heat where he was in a bar and he, he was smoking a lot. And he said something just sort of out of the blue, I guess, about, uh, I don't smoke, but the character does, so whatever. Yeah. Whatever. But, and then uh, I guess that he, like Wesley Snipes, he, he would literally not come, he would, li- he would refuse to be in any shot unless his face was prominently in the shot. If there was anything where it was just his body or just, just a, like a fight scene where you couldn't really see his face, uh-huh. he's like, nope, my double can do it. So he was actually in half of the movie, basically. <laughs> I was like, wow. Okay. Good for Wes. Anyway, anyway. So we got way off track there, didn't we? Um, <laughs> we started with jo- John Woo. Um, um, just, it, I mean, I'm, I'm a little disappointed that John Woo sort of beat, his career went the way it did here in America because I thought with Broken Arrow and Face Off, I really liked those movies. And I, whenever I would see, oh, John Woo, cool, you know? Yeah. But then Mission Impossible 2 and Paycheck and, uh, I mean, it just got to be where it wasn't, John Woo anymore. Yeah, I mean, Mission Impossible 2, for me, is okay until, like, the last 15 minutes. And then it gets too, um, like, back and forthy. 
like, ha-ha, I've got you. Ha-ha, no, I've got you. Ha-ha, no, I've yeah. got you. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, it's a, I think it's a decent movie, but yeah. I mean, Wind Talkers is so bad. Wind Talkers is just terrible. I, I, think, I think, honestly, that was probably like, just like, Hollywood just decided, like, that was bad, you're from Hong Kong, see ya. Yeah. Yeah, I can see <laughs> yeah. it. Go well, back there. Well, that's weird too because there's so many directors that'll make a bad movie and they'll still get. Yeah. You know, they well, okay, you missed on that one. Do better next time. You know, that whole <laughs> Ed Wood thing. You know, worst movie you ever saw. Well, the next one will be better. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well then. But for me, you can't talk about Travolta unless you talk about Lucky Numbers. Oh Lord, Lucky Numbers! That was awesome. <laughs> uh, it was that was funny because that was a movie that. Really probably wasn't a very good movie, but there was some really funny stuff in it. I think uh, I think it is a good movie, um, but it's just so wacky that nobody really gets it. I can you know see that. I mean? Yeah, I can I don't see think, that. I don't think it's like, you know, it's not badly shot. The script is okay. The acting's pretty good. So I, I don't know why it would be bad. It's very, it is wacky. It's real off- Filter. Yeah. It's like sort of people. I could see how a lot of people wouldn't really know what to make of it. Well, like I watched it with with one of my friends who like literally sat there and stared at the screen and like would just stare at me like I was crazy every time I'd laugh at the movie. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, it's funny. <laughs> it's a very excuse me. It's a very specific humor style, though. Yeah, it's it's dark and kind of weird. It's dark, but see, the thing is, is it's, it's sort of, I don't consider it necessarily a dark comedy. Yeah. Like, Heather's perfect black comedy. But the, I mean, okay, in that movie, though, they're killing these people, right? In, in Lucky Numbers, they're, they're not killing people. She kills Michael Moore. Well, yeah, but that, <laughs> toward the end and everything, but like, yeah. most of the movie. <laughs> toward the end, they oh, kill Whatever, people. you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's sort of like, it's not a black comedy, it's like a gray comedy, almost. You know no, what I'm saying? Yeah, well, it is Nora Ephron, so it can only be so black. And it's, and it's there's some parts of it that are just goofy. I mean, <laughs> like, with the, with the, um, with uh, Lisa Kudrow when they're in the restaurant. And she's going, are you get that fucking thing done? And blah. you know, she's yelling at him, and she just looks at the at the menu. She's like, "Ooh, they have key lime pie." <laughs> we did this before. No, it's fuck me, key lime pie. Well, okay, the, you know why I always re- remember it wrong? Mm-hmm. Because I saw the commercials a bunch of times, and they edited it for the commercial. Yeah, but that's just—it's a great line, and it's so there's goofy. so many great moments in that movie, though. I love when they take Michael Moore to his hotel room. <laughs> And he's like trying to point out the positive. He's like, yeah, the painting of Three Mile Island. (laughs) I just never get over that. The painting of Three Mile Island. Yeah, that was good. Well, then I like how they're setting him up to be. He's like, well, I'm going to give... I'm going to give some of the money to my church so they can get a new uh, furnace or whatever it is. Oh, that's nice. And he's like, and I'm the rest, I'm going to open up a porno bookstore. Oh. And they're like, oh, Okay. (laughs) Oh, and that, Michael Moore should not act. Let's just say that. No, he really shouldn't. But for some reason, I thought that was a good little part for him to take. Yeah. Because he was such a nerdy weirdo. <laughs> and that's really what Michael Moore is. Yeah. I don't know. That movie, I, it's really, like, I would recommend it to people I thought would get it. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, because, 
most people probably wouldn't get all the, as our Jewish friends say, have a nice day. Yeah. Whatever he says, <laughs> yeah. you know. <laughs> you know, that little montage where he's in all those goofy little outfits doing oh, the weather. Yes. He's got the sombrero on, and then he's got the, you know. <laughs> and I love, I love to death. Like, I think the funniest scene in that movie is when you've got the big wide shot. He, they're on the air, and he's standing over here on the right by his weather board, and you've got the anchors on the left, and they're talking about some story that pertains to his crime, and he just freaks out and runs straight across the stage yeah. through the camera. Through the shot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the thing, the, and I do like that movie, the thing I didn't like so much about that movie is toward the end, it gets just a little too just out there. When it comes to like, when he ran, when he tried to get away on the snowmobile mm-hmm. and that kind of thing, I went, oh, you know, I just that's not the ending I kind of wanted from that movie. I guess. I, I, I was the warm oh, spot. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Um, who's the cop in that movie? It's Bill Pullman. Bill Pullman, that's right. The idiot cop? The idiot cop, yeah. I swear <laughs> it's funny because uh, if cops were really the, as dumb as they are in some of these movies. <laughs> no, every like nobody would ever get caught in yeah. whatever these towns are. You know, the crime rate would be high, but the conviction rate would be so low because all these cops are these complete retards. <laughs> I know you had to wonder in that movie. It's like, wow, how did that guy make detective? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, were the rest of the guys? Were the rest of the guys literally retarded? <laughs> I know. You know? Are they going around my office like a box of chocolate <laughs> God, God, God gave me a good, good, good brain. <laughs> Segwaying into our next movie, unless you have uh, something to say about that one. This one's going to be short, though, because this is movie is a movie we made. I think we, when we were talking about before we started recording, that we, th- I think we mentioned it, but we never really mm. talked about it. it. Was Tropic Thunder? Yeah, that line was from tro- where he was Simple Jack. Yeah. Holy God. That was so funny. The Simple Jack little clip that they showed on the Entertainment Weekly where he's talking to uh, the blonde girl from Christina... No. What? His wife. Christine Taylor. Christine Taylor. Um, and it, she's in Simple Jack with him. And that shot... Oh, Lord. Every time I see it... And even thinking about it makes me laugh. When he's, supposed, he's running through the field in slow motion, like smiling like an idiot... With, and he's chasing a butterfly with a croquet mallet. <laughs> I'm like, what is he gonna do? <laughs> that shot, there's so many little just digs at Hollywood in that movie that, uh-huh. and the, the whole scorcher. You know, scor- <laughs> I just love the you went full Todd. You went full retard. You never go full retard. He's like, <laughs> man, didn't, you know, Forrest Gump, sir, slow. He, not. Not fully retarded, though. <laughs> and then, just, Robert Downey Jr. is hilarious in that movie. And to me, he just he should have got the best supporting actor in that movie. Because he literally, every time he's on screen and he talks, it's just hilarious. Yeah. And I mean, I, that, the thing that I love about that movie, though, is that it actually, the action stuff is pretty well done, too. Yeah. But the, uh, just all the little digs at Hollywood, like, Matthew McConaughey has the agent that is just obsessed <laughs> with the TiVo. Yeah. <laughs> he goes to freaking... Vietnam to bring him a TiVo. It's the best. And Cruz. Cruz is so good in that oh, movie. Oh, God. I love it when they're having a video conference and Tom Cruise is on <laughs> that giant TV and he's right in the camera and he's like, okay, who's the fucking director of this fucking piece of shit? And he's like, oh, that'd be me, sir. You know, the English guy. And he goes, okay, who's the, who's the key grip? 
And then the, just this random, just older guy is like me. He goes, okay, you. Punch him in the face really fucking hard. And he, <laughs> he walks up to him. He's like, I'm sorry. Whack. But you know what the funny thing is, is that Tom Cruise can get away with... I mean, he was making fun of every fucking Hollywood studio head in the world, or a producer, or whatever you want to say, being that he was bald, he was fat, he was hairy, he had the big gold chain, and he was just an asshole. Yeah. And he can get away with it, because he's Tom Cruise. Yeah, it's true. And uh, just, I I don't know. I've been dominating this conversation so far, because I just love that movie, but... (laughs) It's a funny one. I I remember being shocked when the director blows up. Yeah. I was like, oh. <laughs> right? <laughs> and then they just continue like, good special effects. Yeah, yeah. Well, and uh, I was actually, for some reason, I kind of was avoiding that movie for a while. I didn't go see it in the theater, and after it had come out on video, I was like, nah, because I think at that point, I was pretty sick of Ben Stiller, <laughs> yeah. and I think I was also pretty sick of uh, Jack Black, mm-hmm. because he got credited, he was like the second credit. Yeah. And I was kind of surprised because his part was relatively... I mean, out of all the, all the fairly quote-unquote big-name actors, yeah. I thought Robert Downey Jr. should have been credited over him. His part yeah. was, I thought, larger. But I, I, I bet the reason for that was that Jack Black was seen as a bigger draw. Yeah, probably. But so anyway, I avoided it for a while, and I was kind of, eh, whatever. And then somebody told me, somebody, and it may, I, it may have been you, had said that you saw it and it was just hilarious. Yeah. And I was like, all right, fine. Because it was somebody that I think, you know, that whoever told me, I thought I had pretty good taste in movies. So I was going, all right, fine, I'll watch it. And I had remember reading all this stuff about in the Entertainment Weekly and all this stuff. This is hilarious. And a lot of people had the same attitude as me, though. I was so sick of Ben Stiller. And, <laughs> you know, God, Ben Stiller, give it a rest. But this was awesome, you know. <laughs> Every now and again. I don't know. It's like Zoolander was good, and that was good. But, how, like, Night at the Museum, did you really have to make two of them? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't really particularly like Zoolander as much. Yeah. I, for some reason... I Zoolander so much. I mean, I think it's a funny movie, but like, I like Dodgeball better than Zoolander. Personally. Hey, Unfortunate you for you. Don't give me that look. You know what, Phil? Just because <laughs> everybody doesn't share your opinion doesn't mean they're wrong. Uh, yes, it does. Okay, right. <laughs> we established that at one point where you actually said, whatever I think is right and everybody else is wrong, so I forgot. <laughs> exactly. So I apologize for that. Thank you. <laughs> but but uh, I, I, I thought uh, Will Ferrell was funny in Zoolander. <laughs> they're like, I'm taking crazy pills! Uh, I just I, yeah, well, I think the reason I didn't like that one as much is because Ben Stiller always plays these real sort of over-the-top characters, yeah. and I just couldn't get into his character in that movie. Uh-huh. I didn't think he was funny. And yeah. I mean, obviously, he's the star of the movie. So, But in, in uh, Dodgeball, he sort of is... Him and Vince Vaughn are the co-stars of that movie. That's pretty equal. And I would say even Vince Vaughn is more of... A, it's focused a lot more on him. But so I didn't get as much of the Ben Stiller weirdness in that one. Yeah, I, well, I get that, but um, but I think by that time I had just gotten sick of him. Yeah. I, you know, I never even bothered to see Starsky and Hutch. I saw know. Starsky and Hutch. I, there, there were like four movies that came out in that few years with that little team of guys. Yeah, and I was like, no, not anymore. I saw Starsky and Hutch, and it wasn't very good. But you know who was actually really good in that movie? Snoop Dogg. He honestly, he was. He was really funny in that movie. And I thought about it later after I watched it. And I went, Snoop Dogg? How is he funny? 
But then I remembered he had that show on MTV, I think it was. Mm-hmm. It was this Snoop Dogg. And it was kind of like, uh, it was like a newer version of something like the Ben Stiller show. Huh. And I that was a this. funny show. It was like, I don't even remember what it was called now. But it was only on for like one season. And it was a funny-ass show. I couldn't believe it. So, whatever. Anyway. <laughs> but Tro- Tropic Thunder, I thought was very funny. I really enjoyed that movie. And uh, I'm glad that I didn't avoid it too long. Because, you know, it's a funny movie. Yeah. Um, so whatever yeah. um, that was actually a lot less short than I thought it would be <laughs> but here's what we'll do we'll go um, let's see we'll go how about we do have a smoke break real quick and then we'll come back and do uh, I can barely say the name out loud Paul Blart Mall Cop Paul Blart <sighs> okay I'm gonna have to have a smoke before I watch that Maybe I have a shot or something. (laughs) Masterpiece! Oh, Lord. Okay, we'll be back. And we're back. Uh, We decided what we're going to do is we're going to do a couple of different little sections of the podcast that sort of evolved. Uh, We're going to do this quick hit section where we talk about movies that I have seen that Phil hasn't. Phil has seen that I haven't. Then maybe we'll do um, trailers. I saw a couple trailers. I'm sure you've seen some trailers. Yeah. So we can do that. We'll save Paul Blart for last because that'll be just going out with a bang. Because you may have to restrain me when it comes to that. So <laughs> anyway. Okay, so you want to go first on the, the, the movies that you have seen that I haven't? Sure. I, I think the only one I watched this week that uh, was moderately interesting was Grey Lady Down. Classic. And it kind of fits in with our... <laughs> yeah, classic. Um, <laughs> Fits in with our older discussion of disaster movies, um, but because uh, it's 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 kind of a disaster movie because it involves a disaster, <laughs> right? But it's it doesn't have like all the billion characters and yeah, you know, they're Ava Gardner's wandering around or whatever, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, no has been stars. Well, when okay, refresh my memory because <clears throat> I've actually never seen the movie. Uh-huh. I know of it. You know, I know. (laughs) (laughs) I know of it, (laughs) right? But um, I when was that? Was that that was the seventies? It was seventy nine. Seventy nine. Okay, see, I thought it was earlier than that. In fact, I was talking to my brother, and he was like, "I remember going to see that in the theater." Really? I was like, "Really? Wow." Okay. But yeah, okay. So, Grey Lady Down is about um, a submarine. That gets smacked into by a, by another ship and sinks to the bottom of this ravine or under under the ocean, and uh, it stars stars Charlton Heston <laughs> and um, David Carradine, Stacy Keach, uh, Dorian Harewood, Ronnie Cox, Ronnie Cox, and uh, wow. Ned Beatty, and Christopher Reeve is in it before he was a star. What? Yeah, it would have he to have been. He was. He looked young. I was like, "Holy Jesus, Christopher Reeve!" Wait, Wait. if it was seventy nine, when was Superman? Superman was seventy eight, wasn't it? No, this was a tiny part. Okay. So Superman, I think, must have either been a year or two later. Okay. Okay. But anyway, um, it's it's like I remember it being good because I used to watch it on like. You know, the you know, one of our movies in the afternoon kind of thing, thing. Yeah. and uh, and I loved it when I was a kid. I I, I always had like a thing about Charlton Heston, like I love that voice, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that weird kind of like John Wayney walk he's he, got. Sometimes. He does. He's got a swagger. Yeah, <laughs> but um, 
But this movie just lacked all energy ever. I mean, it was like, oh, submarine. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we're, we're sinking. When you get yeah, to this, sucks. <laughs> when you get to the like explosive finale, you're like. <sighs> That's the reaction you want from your explosive. Yeah, I finale. know. There, there, there's just like no emotion to, uh, attached to anything. Like, because uh, at the end, David Carradine is in this little tiny sub that had to go down and move stuff so they could bring in the rescue sub. Um, and the, but the ship starts to, or the submarine starts to slide off the edge of the cliff. Mm. So in order to give the DSRV, the rescue sub, the, the time to, to rescue everybody, he, uh, David Carradine puts his sub, uh, under the other sub to keep it. So he gets crushed. And no, it's like, nobody cares. It's like mm-hmm. the, the end there, you know, like, uh, at the end, everybody, like Charlton Heston's getting off of the rescue sub. He's like, hell, oh, we've been rescued. Yeah. Everybody's clapping. And uh, somebody just walks up to Stacy Keachin, goes like, and he gets this shocked look on his face, and that's it. <laughs> so that's the reaction to this guy sacrificing himself, right? Yeah. Oh wow. Pretty much. Okay. <laughs> Hopefully, if I ever have to sacrifice myself, I'll have a better reaction than that. <laughs> Stacy Keach get his eyes going blue. Of course, anyway. if I could make Stacy Keach's eyes bug out a little, I think hey, my life would be complete. Boo. <laughs> yeah. All righty, this is over to you. Okay. Well, I've actually seen a whole bunch of movies this week that I think that you haven't seen. I saw. Um, I saw, oh, the counterpart to Paul Blart, which is Observe and Report, Mm -hmm. uh, which, oddly enough, is more or less the same movie as Paul Blart. It's weird, because you always do those movies, like Armageddon and Deep Impact and whatever, Mm -hmm. that... These two movies that are very, very similar, but at least in in those, in, in, in the case of Armageddon and Deep Impact, they were very... They were about the same thing, but they were different movies. Right. You know, Armageddon was the big action, go USA, you know, whatever thing. But then, (laughs) but, and Deep Impact was more sort of thoughtful and it wasn't quite as jingoistic and whatever. You know what I mean? Uh But uh, Observe and Report was basically the same movie as Paul Blart, but just taken to absurdly dark places. (laughs) I'm not kidding, just, just, insanely weird you watched it and like something would happen uh-huh. there was more than a few parts of the movie where something would happen and it was just like you went whoa what the fuck cause the, the storyline is is that Seth Rogen plays a security guard he wants to be a cop mm-hmm. uh, he, and the movie starts out there's a flasher at his mall this guy would run in and he'd, he'd have a bathrobe on. He'd flash all these girls and he'd run away. Uh-huh. And they couldn't catch him. Okay? And it was... It, Seth Rogen sort of made it his mission in life is to catch this guy. Yeah. But Seth Rogen was this just psychopath. I mean, he was just... It was like he was angry and, and just... He was always talking about fucking... I'm gonna murder you! <laughs> you know? And... I was like, and uh, at the toward the end, and I don't know if you ever really want to see it, so I don't know if I should mess up this shocker. But spoiler coming, uh, he uh, this flasher, you see him running through the mall, and this is after Seth Rogen uh, gets busted off the the mall security force, you know, uh-huh. which always happens. Yeah, I go down and come uh-huh. back up. Um, he uh, whoa, 
Okay. <laughs> yeah, you got it. I thought you were going to spill there, but we got it. Um, he, he sees this flasher guy running through the mall, and it's this weird scene. It's like a Borat scene. This guy literally is running around the mall, butt naked, with, a, with this, with this uh, bathrobe just flapping, in the, like open in the front, this fat guy, and, di- and just butt naked. And they show him flopping around, and yeah, I was, I was watching it, and I was like, whoa, okay. So then, okay, but then Seth Rogen, he's chasing him, and he can't quite catch him. He, he trips over this guy, and the guy runs. And uh, Anna Ferris plays this real vapid blonde girl that's a makeup counter girl uh-huh. that Seth Rogen has this crush on. And he, uh, she, she had been flashed by the guy, and she played it up that she was completely traumatized and blah, blah, blah. So then, in like slow motion, you see this flasher running into the store where she works. And she's standing there like going, oh, no. And it's all in slow motion. And all of a sudden, <laughs> Seth Rogen comes out from beside her into frame and shoots the guy. Just, guy falls down, this huge blood splatter behind him. And I was just like, what? (laughs) Seriously, I was just going, what the fuck? Yeah. Oh, man, it was crazy. And then there's a part where Seth Rogen just completely loses his mind, and he goes and Ray Liotta plays this detective who has this rivalry with him. Yeah. And... Seth Rogen literally beats up like 20 cops and yeah, gets in this big fight with all these cops and him and Ray Liotta beat the living snot out of each other. And so finally they arrest him and they, they, all these cops swarm on and they take him to jail. But then he's out of jail in like two days. I'm going, this guy would be in jail for like the rest of his life. Yeah, pretty much. And so there was these weird plot devices that I know if you're just watching it as this comedy, even though it is a real dark comedy... You're supposed to be like, oh, whatever. It doesn't really matter. But I, I had the biggest problem with it. <laughs> so anyway, Observe and Report is a very off-putting movie. I, I really didn't. I wasn't. It is. I, and it, there was a few parts where I just couldn't believe that, I, what, that they would think either A, this is something we should put in here. Or B, that this was like this just kind of raunchy comedy. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. So anyway, <laughs> there's that one. Um. I watched, oh, this movie called Lies and Illusions. Ah, yes. Which With Christopher... Uh, or Christian, Christian Slater's, I, as far as I know, his newest movie. Uh-huh. And it was probably, I mean, sure, it was direct-to-video or, or whatever. And it was this kind of action-y thriller. It was more of a thriller than an action movie. Yeah. Because, you know, you think of action movies, you think of whatever, but... It was more of a thriller where him, what happened, the, the, the premise was is that he was this writer. He wrote this book called Finding Love in the 21st Century. So he wrote this sort of how to find love book. Uh-huh. And he's married, he was getting married to this girl. He loved her and he was really mad about her and whatever. And at the beginning, she gets kidnapped. They're walking to their car and she gets, these guys run up behind her, hit her on the head, kidnap her, knock mm-hmm. out Christian Slater. Uh, and one of the guys is Cuba Gooding Jr. Ooh. And he's saying, you know, it's not nice to steal from people and all this stuff to this girl. So they take her, they just take her and she's gone. Uh-huh. And it's like, they never find her. It cuts to a year later because there's this scene where Christian Slater's with his fiance's lawyer and he says, once it's been a year, she'll be declared dead legally. You will then have access to her bank account and her safety deposit box. And whatever, she'll be gone. Uh-huh. So a year goes by. And Christian Slater meets up, meets up with this other, this new chick. And they're kind of 
having this romance and uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. shows up and is like, you're going to give me, because he plays his gangster and he's like, you're going to give me what's in the deposit box. And he doesn't, Christian Slater's going, what are you talking about? And it turns out his wife is kind of, it, it's never really explained in the movie. There was these big, huge plot holes in this movie. <laughs> it's never really explained what if she's a spy or if she was a thief or something. She had this double life that he didn't know about. And he goes in his basement a year later in his cellar and he finds this little hole in the wall that's like with a door and he crawls through it and there's this room full of guns and computers and <laughs> just like, what? So it turns out his wife had been whatever she was, a thief or a spy or something and she stole a bunch of diamonds from Cuba Gooding Jr. And he was waiting for the year to be up so he could go to Christian Slater, take him to the box and get the diamonds out of the safety deposit box and it's all this intrigue. And then his wife shows back up and she's like, hey, I'm alive. And he's like, what the fuck, you know? And <laughs> there was these giant plot holes and the thing that, I mean, and it wasn't, it wasn't a bad movie. It was a real B or C movie, but it was terrible. There was these huge plot holes. One being, I never really explained what his wife was doing, whether she was a spy or a thief or whatever. And she, in the movie, even says two contradictory things. One point she says she's a thief uh-huh. And then at one point she says she was a spy. <laughs> so I guess she was a spying thief or a thieving spy. I don't know. But, so then, but then, okay, the other thing is, if they kidnapped her, if Cuba Gooding Jr. and his cohorts capture, uh, kidnapped her, uh-huh. how did she get away? That was never explained. <laughs> like, they should have just, they, I mean, they could have been just holding her hostage for the entire year, which I actually kind of thought what was happening. Yeah. But no, she shows up to Christian Slater and says, hey, look, uh, Meet me under the bridge. And he's like, what the fuck? You're alive, man. And uh, so never explain how she got away from him or if they just let her go or what happened there. They never explain that. And I it, love direct to video. Oh, there was just... And then Christian... Oh, my God. Christian Slater. His dialogue. And I think they were doing this because they wanted it, you to really realize that he's just this regular guy. He's not some action hero. Yeah. He's a writer. Okay. But he literally will say the most obvious things all the time. Like he'll be, him and his wife, his former wife, they have this big fight with one of the gangsters in their hotel room. <clears throat> she shoots him. She shoots the gangster. Mm-hmm. And he goes, you killed him! And then, and then he gets, later on in the movie, Christian Slater gets beat up. And he's like, oh, my ribs are broken! Because they show the guy kicking him in the rib, and you hear this little snap, and he goes, oh, my rib is broken. And then at one point, he gets shot in the arm. Christian Slater gets shot in the arm. He goes, oh, I've been shot. It's it's like he's doing the commentary for blind people. It's like if your your sight was impaired while watching this movie, just listen to Christian Slater because he will literally tell you what is going on. And then it's like you're in this car chase, and he's like, oh, we're in a car chase. It's, oh, God, don't tell me what's happening. I can see what's happening. But, you know, it was a very, it was a strange movie. And there was these weird little moments of levity in it that were supposed to be funny and whatever. Just very odd and like out of place. And just like this one, after everybody dies, all the gangsters die. This one guy is left who was sort of like, he wasn't the main gangster. Because Cuba Gooding Jr. was the main gangster. Uh He was sort of his second in command guy. Real creepy looking dude or whatever. And at the end, he had gotten this, 
he got this idea from reading Christian Slater's book about that if, you cook, if you're a couple that is in trouble, or your relationship's not going so well, you cook for each other, Whoa. and it's supposed to be somehow repairing your relationship or whatever. So at the very end, he walks up to Christian Slater's agent. They're having lunch. And the guy's sitting behind him. Mm. Walks up, he's like, he's all limping and everything because he'd been shot up and whatever. He's like, I have this idea for a cookbook for couples in trouble. Should I talk to you? I need an agent. And it was supposed to be funny, you know. As um, that okay, <laughs> you know, and that was the very last scene in the movie. Okay. Yeah. And then the last thing I'll say about it is one. I, I this was so obvious is that in the sort of the big action climax of the movie, uh-huh. um, they have this car chase slash gunfight that literally goes all the way through the entire city of I think it was Seattle. <laughs> Not one cop to be seen <laughs> for this 20 minute chase. These cars are crashing into each other. They're driving through the park. They're crashing into the, you know, the obligatory fruit truck or fruit stand. Yeah. Yeah. They're doing all these action cliches, cliches. They're shooting at each other through the, out the windows of the cars. Not one cop. <laughs> hey, it's Seattle. Anything I, goes. I apparently, I'm like, this is like Thunderdome in Seattle, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> you can do anything you want. But, you know, it was, it was semi-entertaining, but it definitely had its problems. And, you know, direct-to-video. They've always got problems. Cuba That's Good- why they're direct-to-video. Cuba Gooding Jr. dies in a, when his Lear jet crashes. Hey, the- <laughs> <laughs> not. Hey, you know, why not? Well, and uh, so, anyway, those, I think those are the ones I was going to talk about for the ones I had seen and you hadn't. Well, and we're then going- the pièce de résistance... Well, are there any trailers you want to talk about before oh, we do that? Yes, I guess. Um, I did see the new trailer for Nightmare on Elm Street. Continuing their streak, uh, they're remaking it. And uh, judging from the trailer, it was unadvised. Really? <laughs> it's Michael Bay again. Michael uh, Bay's directing it? Producing. Oh, okay. Just like the other two. Texas oh, okay. Chainsaw and... Um, Friday the 13th. 13th, yeah. And uh, it looks like a Michael Bay movie. Yeah. And it looks just as shitty as the other. Did they get that same guy that did Friday the 13th and uh, Texas Chainsaw no, Massacre to do it? No, it's some new guy. Okay, cause, but the same guy directed both of those. Yeah. So I just wondered if they got the same guy. I haven't seen it. <clears throat> I should watch it, though, because you know, I like the horror movie stuff. So. Yeah, it's, uh, what's his name? Who was uh, Rorschach? Oh, Jackie Earl Haley? Yeah, yeah, it's him. He's, He's Freddy? Yeah. Really? Uh-huh. That might not be bad. I don't know. Of course, you always will be thinking of, uh, you know, Robert England. Robert England but I, don't, I just don't know. I, they always used to say, when you remake a movie, you, you make sure that you can improve upon it. Sure. And to me, these horror movies that they're remaking, Texas Chainsaw, Friday the 13th, not so much, but Texas Chainsaw, Halloween, all this stuff, it's just so ill-advised because the originals are pretty good. Yeah. And thus, how are you going to improve? I mean, Texas yeah. Chainsaw... The reason why the new one was so shitty, and it was, sorry if anybody <laughs> liked it, but, but you were wrong. Hey, Jessica Biel, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just so bad. I know, it is. I mean, I just, oh, I will never get over the scene at like the end when they're in their little house, and there's just this really static shot of her standing in the window, like tugging on the bars, and she's like, shit! 
And you're, you're like, what the hell was that? That was like comedy. It was retarded. <laughs> Why is it yeah. in the movie? Yeah. But it was just, I mean, it was like knowingly weird and it just wasn't quite there. The original is so good because it's so off kilter. Well, and it's, and it's such so, a just insane kind of real yeah and it's such an insane energy and it you and it's just you're right it does it feels a lot very real whereas the new one was real slick and yeah you know but in the old one man you were like you were thinking you're wondering (laughs) if some of these guys that worked on the movie were kind of just they they had to be they had to go and recuperate for a while you know the quote-unquote exhaustion but uh, they're not adding anything to these storylines in fact what they add is usually bad you know what I mean? When they when they remade uh, Halloween and Friday the Thirteenth, they threw in all this white trash backstory for Jason and for Michael, and uh-huh. it just wasn't any fun. It was like, who cares? Yeah, well, you're right. And the thing is, is that it's, when you had mentioned that Friday the Thirteenth, maybe not so much. Yeah. Because Friday the the original Friday the Thirteenth really was worse than I think a lot of people remember yeah. it being. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But. You're right. I mean, in Friday the 13th, or I'm sorry, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, that was good. I mean, in fact, that's probably, I don't know if it's necessarily the best one, but it's in the top three for sure of the Nightmare movies. Oh, well, I think for the best Nightmare movie, it's either the number one or it's number whatever, seven. The New Nightmare. The New Nightmare is maybe one of the best, most, like thoughtful and interesting horror movies I've ever seen. Yeah. The no, way it plays back and forth between reality and, and, and the dream world and, you know, even movie world and yeah, yeah. all that stuff. It's crazy. It is. It's a really, it's a very intricate movie, but it works. Uh-huh. A lot of those times when they try to get too clever, it doesn't work, but it worked in that. It really worked. And so, but anyway, I'm going to have to watch the new, the trailer for the new one because I'd be interested to see, you know, how it yeah. comes out. But, you know... Too slick. Yeah. That's my thing. Horror movies, I think... And maybe this is because when I... When me and you were kind of growing up, it's like the horror movies weren't the slick movies. Yeah. They They were were the cheap They they were the gritty sort of, you know, you watch... The film stock wasn't so good, maybe. (laughs) The acting weren't so great. Yeah, yeah. So, maybe that's why I sort of don't really have... I don't particularly like the slick action movies. Or not action movies, I'm sorry, horror movies. Because they just... It, to me, a horror movie shouldn't be real slick. It should be real gritty and just kind of dirty and yeah, yeah. You know, it's scarier that way. Yeah, yeah. When it's 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 not when it doesn't look like every other movie, you know. Well, and especially in movies, Sonny, if you could compare the look of it to something like Armageddon, yeah. You know, you go, well, that looks very similar. <laughs> That's not scary. I know. Maybe it's exciting at some points, but it's not scary. Exactly. Okay, so um, any other trailers that you had seen that you wanted to mention? That's the most interesting one I saw. Yeah. I saw a couple trailers. Um, I saw one for a movie that I had sort of heard of, but it must have it must have came and went really quickly because either that or it might be a straight-to-video. Uh, it's called Trick or Treat. I've not heard of it. And see, I had thought maybe it had come out and just went away really fast. Yeah. But it's just... It, and on the trailer, it said coming to video. Uh-huh. It didn't say, you know, so I don't know if it came out in the theaters and just flopped or what. But it had a, it was this Halloween themed movie. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching the, I'm watching the, the trailer when I was first watching it. And it's, and I was almost thinking, is this sort of a weird trailer for the new, for the newer Halloween movie? Uh-huh. You know, but 
because it was all Halloween like jack o' lantern and stuff. I was going, this doesn't look like Rob Zombie at all, you know, because you can tell yeah. it's Rob Zombie. Uh-huh. And um, it had a uh, Anna Paquin, I believe it was Anna Paquin, in the sort of lead uh-huh. female. And it, I, it's this weird story about how uh, this town. There was some sort of Halloween... They called it the Halloween school bus massacre. Yeah. But they didn't explain at all in the trailer what that meant. Yeah. I guess they felt they didn't really need to. Because uh-huh. I guess that's fairly self-explanatory. But they went on and on and on in the trailer about the traditions are here to protect us. Not uh, whatever. And so then they also sort of gave you the impression that the kids weren't respecting the traditions. Mm-hmm. So this sort of let the ghosts out or the demons or something... And, and you know, I, for a horror movie, and I, I will, I, te- <laughs> I tend to watch the cheesier horror movies because yeah. I, you know, uh-huh. but um, I look kind of interesting actually. Like I, when I watched the trailer, I went, that could be entertainingly bad, or it might be kind of <laughs> good. You never know. You never know. Oh, uh, one thing I did want to <clears throat> mention about uh, the horror remakes was maybe the worst one. It had moments of goodness, but the worst one was The Fog. Oh yeah, and uh, you know. Tom Welling's okay, but that movie is just so bad. And it's because, that movie in particular, the direct cause, and it's a, it's a symptom for the rest of them too, is that they, they overload on backstory. It's like, well, the original was great, but we gotta know where these guys are coming from and why they're doing it. No, you don't. Yeah. The best thing is just to have pissed off pirates. <laughs> And you're just like, well, okay, they're pirates. I, I mean, know. That's all you really need, right? That are going to come and hook you. Right. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Better run away. Right. <laughs> that, you know what? You're definitely right, though, because, and especially in Halloween, half that movie was backstory. Yeah. And it was too much. It was way too much. Mm-hmm. And I could see that the, you know, I can sort of understand what the reasoning would be, is that, well, we kind of want to understand the, where it came from, so that might even be scary because we understand the psychosis of this guy. No, it's not scary. It's scarier when you just say he's evil. We have to stop him. <laughs> yeah, you know, to it's me, much it's, scarier because yeah. then you you think, well, you know, this was like the original Halloween. It was just some kid, you know, like could be your neighbor yeah. who freaked out one day and I, you know, iced his sister yeah. and like went batshit. Yeah, it's not because because see, it's less scary if you say, well, he had these real white trash abusive crazy parents. And that's why he lost it. Because at that point, you lose that whole idea of, well, the that mystery. could be your neighbor. It's the mystery of it. You, because anybody who has these insanely abusive, crazy, white trash neighbors and go, you know what? That kid's going to freak out. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? You can pick and choose who that is. Oh, that guy's over there. But when it's just, it could be anybody, yeah. that's much scarier. Exactly. Well, yeah. damn it. We need to fix this. <laughs> We're fixing it now with a podcast. Uh, whatever. Okay, so um, what other trailers did I see? Oh, I saw that, and this is going to be real brief. I saw this uh, trailer for this really, what looked re- relatively disturbing horror movie called Grace. Oh. Where this woman has this baby that won't, it's like they thought the baby died when she was pregnant. And she's like, no, I need this baby. And this woman's desperate for this baby. Uh-huh. And uh, they're like, you can't revive a baby. And it's either the baby was died, like they thought the baby died when she was pregnant or when the baby was born. Uh-huh. And then they kind of, the baby kind of, it's implied this baby sort of comes back to life. Uh-huh. And uh, it's also implied, this, this trailer was huge on just implying things and not really <laughs> saying exactly what was going to go on. Right. But it was implied that this baby was a vampire. Mm. 
and this woman, her, the baby's mom, was like killing people to get their blood to feed her baby. Because at one point you saw this bottle, the you know the Gerber bottles oh. full of blood, and and it just looked very, just I mean I don't know if it, it, disturbing is the right word, but just weird and creepy and, <laughs> so, which is what horror movies are supposed to be so I thought maybe you know maybe I'd check that out because it just looks oh man I was going in a baby you know babies you know <laughs> babies are sort of the one thing you don't really yeah. you don't mess well that's like the, the new dawn of the dead like that was seriously disturbing when you got to the zombie baby sorry oh that zombie ba- yeah wow. <laughs> I was like oh god it's gonna get birth I can't watch I know I know so yeah, that that looked kind of interesting actually, but you know, Vampire Baby, I guess you know. <laughs> it's the new show on the CW. <laughs> Vampire Babies, <laughs> starring Cedric the Entertainer. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I love the Cedric the Entertainer. Hey, come on, it's... you know. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. All right, All right. So, so so we got to get to it now. This prepare is... your bile. Oh ladies. Lord, Phil, I, you're gonna. I'm. It, uh, it's a good thing I've had a couple of beers because it just calms me down a little bit. But okay, everybody out there in podcast uh, nation, we're gonna do Paul Blart Mall Cop. Huh. Probably one of literally the worst movies I've ever seen. It's up there. And the thing is, is that we had the whole big Seagal thing about how movies can be bad and that it'll be entertaining because it's bad. And you can sit there and go, hey, this is great, this is horrible, you know? Which sounds like a real oxymoron, but if you listen to the Seagalapalooza podcast, you'll know what we're talking about. (laughs) Um, But the key to those, I think, is that they're usually not meant to be funny, but end up being funny. Because there's some, you know, just a weird tilt to everything that makes it kind of funny. True. Unintentional Um, comedy. Unfortunately, this was a comedy that just wasn't funny. There was not, I think there was not one point in this movie that I actually laughed. Pretty much. There, I think I may have chuckled at one thing, but it's just, this movie was so freaking bad and it was just all these stupid cliches. It was all this just (laughs) non-funny and Kevin James was very was trying hard to be funny. Yeah, he was. Ugh. But the movie lacked all energy. I mean, it was yeah. just dead. It was a flat, flat movie. Ugh. I mean, like, I thought, like, some of it, like, the concept of him having this illegal immigrant fat woman who had married him to get, to get the in green the country. Card. That was, the, like, thinking about it, I was like, that was pretty funny. But watching it, you know, when they moved on from, like, just the setup... I was like, oh, God, you guys, you just ruined it. Yeah, yeah. And then, well, and then the, the whole thing where um, the, the guys that invaded the mall, mm-hmm. they were all these, like, BMX riders and oh. skateboarders. I'm like, oh, really? I mean, this yeah. is something from, like, a movie aimed at, like, eight-year-olds. Yeah, pretty much. I was like, ugh. It was so badly, and and I don't know if maybe the filmmakers thought it was like, ooh, we're gonna up the cool quotient. <laughs> you know, we'll have them on I skateboards. Uh, did you notice though uh, when you were talking about Observant Report having Anna Ferris in it? This movie had like an Anna Ferris knockoff in it. Yeah, like that that what redhead or whatever. She kind of looked like Anna. She Ferris. did a little bit, yeah, but just and, and like I said, I mean. 
Kevin James was trying so hard to be funny, and it was just all these just stupid, just I mean, literally jokes that a kid would come up with. Uh huh. Scuba dooby doo, really? Yeah, and you know, and the whole redemption thing where he's he's gonna save them all, and I mean, I don't know. I think that the I you know who I actually the the only funny part of that whole entire movie mm. was that Indian kid. <laughs> He yeah. was funny. He was okay. I mean, he, you know, and he, he, I, he actually Call me made, back, blood, blood. Call me, me back, player. You know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. He was kind of funny. But then the things about the, um, the, the one, the thing about the fact they were all these extreme athletes, that was stupid as hell. I know. The, and the whole, the, and like when, when, uh, sometimes movie machinations are just so easy. Like, when the new guy starts at the beginning of the movie, I was like, ugh, bad guy. Right. And, the fact that he would, and like, he wouldn't help out when, you know, when he's fighting. And, and you know, okay. Th- that was the least funniest scene in the goddamn movie when he's, when he's fighting the fat chick. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck is well, this? Right. And see, the thing is, is that that movie, I could just see people, and uh, I'm going to come across as a real snotty, like, whatever here, but... Not very smart people <laughs> going, you know what would be funny? Is if he fought a fat lady and lost. Yeah. And you go, no, that's not funny. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. You know, and... <laughs> oh, and well, then, uh, to me, this movie, uh, I think I said it to you before, you can never go wrong underestimating the intelligence of the American public. Oh, Lord. And it made $150 million. I know. It is the least funny comedy I've seen in ages. If not ever for me. <laughs> you know what? Fuck you, America. You gave $150 million this movie. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> but then, you know, and, and then he's... Then he gets the chase scene at the end and he wins over the... the the SWAT guy, and then oh, all of a sudden now the SWAT guy's the bad guy, and you're Bobby like, kind of yeah, yeah. And oh, just there are two endearing characters in that movie that I kind of enjoyed, and that was the daughter. I thought she was kind of cute. Yeah, she, yeah, she's. And okay. then um, his boss. I loved his boss. Really? Well, he was. That was sort of funny, where he was at the end. They made that wisecrack, and he, it, toward the middle of the movie he'd given the guy the list of like comebacks that he yeah. was he's like you should use these and then at the end he looks at his notebook he's like oh, that's better what I got it. You know, <laughs> that was kind of funny I, I don't know that, that, I think the scene I liked with him was when um, Bobby Cannavale was like hey blood I'm calling you and then he's like put put chief so and so back on He's like, I'm not going to put it back on. And then he, you hear his phone ringing in the background. He's like, hey, Paul. Yeah. It's kind of funny. Well, and I, I just, I was watching the movie just thinking, you know, this is, it's a movie that you literally had, you, I could literally see these guys sitting around going, well, what would be funny? Um, oh, put them on a Segway because people look stupid on Segways. And so they're like, okay, well, he'll be on a Segway for the whole fucking movie. Yeah. And then, oh, have a dog chase him. That's funny, right? A dog chasing him? And it's like, what? A, like I said, like an eight-year-old would think was funny. Yeah. And then... I don't know. The movie was so flat that I often wondered whether it wanted to be an action movie. Like, whether I should take some of the action-y scenes, like, seriously. 
Yeah. Because like, they, they felt more like an action movie than a comedy. You know yeah. what I mean? I know what you mean, but I just... I was watching it, and I just was... I, and this is how bad it was to me. I was literally checking about every couple minutes on, on my computer, <laughs> like, how much is left of this shit? And I was... And I, st- I, I had to stop it at one point and just go and just... I don't know. I don't know whatever... What, what, I had to... What I was doing, but I had to stop it, go do something else, come back, and I, like, had to do the whole psych and myself, okay, I can get through this. And it was just so fucking bad, and everything about it... And I think one of the things, and again, I don't know why this sticks with me so much, about the whole BMX riding bad guys. Um, again, that I could just, it pisses me off that there's somebody out there in Hollywood writing, producing, whatever, that thinks, oh, uh, the kids like this stuff, right? The, the skateboards and, and, uh-huh. and whatnot, put that in there, you know? Or, well, unfortunately, what's, what's, what's funny about it is Kevin James wrote it. He wrote it with... Some Nick Bakai was the guy's yeah. name that he wrote it with, which I know who that is, and um, he's actually a relatively funny guy. Yeah, and just I think Kevin James can be funny. I, I think his show is funny, but uh, well, he was pretty funny in Chuck and Larry. Yeah, he was pretty funny in that. And of course, and it's produced by Adam Sandler. So you've got a co- you know at least a couple kind of like comedy heavyweights involved with the picture, but it's just so dull. Yeah, and it just the jokes that are, aren't funny, and I, you know, it just, yeah, Kevin James. I know. I, I it, want but, my hour and a half back. But you're exactly right. It's like a bunch of setups that sound like they'd be funny, like when he got up in the vent. Yeah. And it was like, oh, fat guy in a vent making lots of noise. And then it was just like, oh, God. Yeah, but the thing is, is that the problem with those scenes was if you take the setup and you go and you, you say the setup, you kind of go, well, I mean, that doesn't really sound that funny. Yeah. I mean, I suppose, it, I suppose if you have some sort of new twist on it or something, Ooh. maybe that would be funny. Yeah. But it doesn't, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where, pe- where people would think it would be funny, but it's really not funny. Exactly. You know, you fat guy fighting a fat lady, yelling for help. Oh, that's not really that funny. Or like, you, know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Or, oh, you give the burly security guard the pink bejeweled cell phone. That's funny, right? Not really. <laughs> no. You know? In order to meet the girl, he's got to buy hair extensions. Yeah, that's not funny, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And then the the one guy that I thought was, I think that uh, the guy that was, it was almost like he was funny without being funny. Mm-hmm. Was the the dickhead guy that was wanting to date the girl? Yeah. He was like the pen salesman, and he was just so blatantly an asshole and he even said at one point something like yeah I'm a jerk I just called you fat yeah. and I was like well hey you know d- he's a caricature but he knows he's a caricature or something exactly. <clears throat> and he then, at least had some energy yeah when they, like, I just I love it he's like why are you laughing I just called you fat yeah, yeah. I like the part where he's like do you want to borrow this pen <laughs> oh yeah. That was that was mildly amusing. That was mildly least. funny. Which in this movie means it was like the best yeah, part of exactly. the movie. Yeah. No, I think the only characters like see I didn't like his daughter because I get really 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 tired of the wise beyond their years single parent kid. Yeah. That is such a fucking cliche that it's like <laughs> you know because he even had those same kids in Chuck and Larry. Yeah. They weren't. They just weren't as irritating because they weren't 
just Yoda of the eight-year-olds. <laughs> I mean, this girl was, you know, girl, this little girl, she's just like, oh, let's get you on eHarmony or whatever the fuck it was. And, and, uh, perfect match. Perfect match. And I mean, she was like this adult in a kid's body. And the, and the fact that she wandered into the mall and she got held hostage and she had the sort of the, she sees all these guns and stuff like that. And she goes, oh, I'm late for my shift at Foot Locker. What fucking 10 year old would have the presence of mind to either A, not freak out and B, come up with like, oh, I'm not, because they would be like, I'm just here to see my dad, you know. Oh, I get sick of that character. So I didn't like her, but I, I did <laughs> like I honestly, when they started that scene, I thought she was going to go, Oh, no se, senor. Yeah. Cleaner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and see, that would have been funnier. Exactly. Oh, I was see, anticipating gonna... something funny, but no, it was just, I'm late for my shift at Footlocker. Which was okay. No. Just the fact that just right off the top of our heads we came up with a funnier line <laughs> from a movie that cost millions of dollars to make. Um, and and then, made over a hundred million dollars, people. Oh. It was like number one for three weeks. This country has no taste! Like I said, you know, America, what is wrong with you people? <laughs> At least I ripped it off and didn't pay to watch the fucking thing. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but, um, the, the, the Paul Bart's boss was kind of funny. He was funnier toward the end. Uh, he had a couple little one-liners I thought were funny. But I, the characters I liked were the, the Indian kid. Yeah. He made me laugh. Mm. And I don't know why, but every time... And it, this just goes to show you how bad the rest of the movie was. He was in like two scenes, uh -huh. or maybe three, just short ones. Yeah. And when he would come on, I'd be like, okay, finally, maybe this will be funny. <laughs> like the Indian kid, he's kind of funny. <laughs> oh, thank God, something. I know, thank God the Indian hip-hop guy is on. <laughs> and then, um, I for some reason sort of liked the cop. The, not the SWAT guy. The chief or the whatever. Chi yeah, the lieutenant guy or whoever he was. And I think that for I think the reason that I liked him in that movie a little bit more than some of the other people was because he he was just it's almost like you could tell he knew this movie was shit the actor yeah and he's just like he didn't look like he cared at all <laughs> well just, pretty much I mean the reason I liked the boss to a certain extent was because I thought when he shot Bobby Cannavale at the end I thought it was kind of a sweet little moment yeah I was like oh he did it <laughs> yay <laughs> <laughs> for him I know. <laughs> and guns all shaking like you know yeah. like uh, like Sam Jackson in the loaded weapon one <laughs> but uh I just I, I was just and I the, the problem is right now is that because I'm you know la we're laughing having a good time we're doing a thing whatever it's hard for me to be as upset about it as I was when I watched it. Yeah. Because I just remember getting to the end I, of it and going, thank the Lord in heaven this is over. I wasn't like violently upset after watching the movie. Oh, I gotta God. say. But it was bad. I'll I did. Bad. I was. I was upset. I was like, <laughs> fuck this. Well, Amos is, I think Amos's final <laughs> message on the movie is if you see a copy of it in the video store, spit on it. Exactly. Or break it better. <laughs> so, anyway, that... That was the one movie that I have seen in quite a while that was that was so it was like it was anti funny. Yeah. It's like I've seen movies that just weren't very funny and you just go, Well, whatever, they kinda of tried. <laughs> but in that movie it was almost like anti funny. And it really makes me wonder 
And I really hope this isn't the case. I really hope that that kind of comedy where it's these really inane setups that maybe sound funny to somebody, like just it doesn't have very good sense of humor or something. Yeah. I hope that is not something that's going to become a trend. Because for a while there, I thought some of the comedies were getting better. Yeah. You know, but mm-hmm. whatever. Not to say that Observe and Report was any better, though. It was like the <laughs> same movie, but it was not. It, it wasn't any better. There was actually some very. There were a couple of very funny little moments in that movie, though. Uh-huh. They, and I'll just do this real quick because I know we can, we're going long here, and I apologize. But um, there was one. There, there was this part in Observe and Report that sounds horrible, but it just made me laugh. Mm-hmm. Um, Seth Rogen takes. He just sort of almost tricks Anna Ferris into going out on a date with him. Uh-huh. And Anna Ferris just Anna Ferris is just this horrible person. She's just she just uh, all she's like this party chick, real vapid, real you know she's oh she's blonde and she's got a push up bra and so whatever. So she they go out and she just starts pounding booze. She's doing shot after shot after shot, and they actually do this just this whole montage scene where she's just doing shots. She's drinking these big fruity tropical <laughs> drinks. She actually borrows uh, some of his antidepressant pills takes one or two of those you know she but she's just and then uh it shows him taking her home and she's just fucking annihilated he's like practically carrying her in the house Uh she's just sort of stumbling he's more or less dragging her across the yard and he goes he goes to take her like up to the porch you're like, okay, the scene's over. You know, it's like one of these scenes where it's like, oh, poor guy, whatever. And there's this really nasty part in that scene, which I won't give away. But, <laughs> um, so then it's like, oh, poor guy. You know, and he's delusional. He's thinking they're in love, you know, because they were right. on this date. Uh-huh. So then, cuts to the scene, he's on top of her, humping away on her. She's got her bra on. She's passed out. Like, completely passed uh-huh. out. But then, he, he stops. And he goes, uh, you know, whatever her name is, Cindy or whatever. And Cindy, are you okay? And oh my God, she goes. She without even moving, opening her eyes, not moving her body whatsoever. She goes, "Why are you stopping, motherfucker?" <laughs> well, I tell you, Anna oh my Ferris God, is easily the best part of most movies that she's in. Yeah, it I was, mean, like, do you remember Just Friends? Yeah, the movie with Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, They're, like Anna Ferris is easily the best part of that movie when. <laughs> when he, they're in the bar and she's meeting the other girl, she's like, "Hey, honey!" <sighs> she hisses like a cat and then turns back. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's just funny shit. I know. Well, but she, that was that scene, and I and it was because it was so, you went all oh, sad. <laughs> but then it turns out she's actually awake, and she goes, "Why well, are you stopping, motherfucker?" <laughs> it was just I was just like, "Oh God, okay, whatever." I don't know why that was funny, but right. anyway, we'll be we'll be done. Now, I guess. <laughs> that was our powerful ending. <laughs> they were we'll be go done on. now. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh God. All right. Any final thoughts, Phil? Anything? Um, we didn't. We didn't get any feedback this week, so we can't do a feedback <laughs> section. Um, thank you, listeners. Yes, thank you, public. Paul Blart. Now this. Uh, I'm moving to Canada. <laughs> Um, so I can be cold and upset. Exactly. I'll be cold and nobody will talk to me. At least I'll be colder. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so anyway, any final thoughts? Anything you want to... No, no? I've got okay. nothing. Okay, well, if you do want to send us some feedback, which, you know, I know you probably know this if you listen to it, canufbi at gmail.com. 
Uh, or again, send it to my cell phone. (laughs) 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 Family, friends. Mom, if you're listening. (laughs) Um, Anyway, take us out on that. Can you fucking believe it? Oh, yeah.